One of the stories I really like in the Old Testament is the story of Jonah. We get it in the first reading. It's rather humorous. Um, If you haven't read it, read it. It's short and it's a wild, wild story. And the question that kept coming to me as I was praying through this is why he was so opposed to go to Nineveh. You know, like, it, it's, not that, it's not like God came to him, if you know the story, which you should, but if you don't, I'll recap it just slightly. It's not like God came to him and said, hey, I need you to go to Nineveh, and he's like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't think I'd really want to go. He's like, I want you to go to Nineveh, and Jonah's like, okay, I'm going to go to Tarshish. So God is telling him to go east, and he goes directly west. Why didn't he want to go to Nineveh? I don't know. One of the reasons, I don't know, is maybe because present-day Nineveh is in Iraq, that might be a reason not to go to Nineveh. <clears throat> or the, the city of Nineveh was ruled by the Assyrian Empire and the Assyrians were sworn enemies of the Jews. Another reason not to go to Nineveh. But I don't know if that's the actual reason because the more I read on, the reason why he didn't want to go is in the story. He tells us why he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. Because <clears throat> remember, he's on his beach cruise over to Spain which is where Tarshish would have been. And, and then there's a storm and they throw him overboard and the sea monster eats him and spews him onto the beach. Dude, it's, it's a beautiful story. I can't believe Hollywood hasn't picked it up yet. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, it's awesome. They, they haven't made a movie out of it. But anyway, <clears throat> what we get today in the first reading is his, his homily, if you will, to the people of Nineveh. Right? And he says, 40 days more until Nineveh is going to be destroyed. And Nineveh is this huge city. It's like New York City at the time. It said it took three days to cross by foot. And the crazy part is, after one day of preaching, the entire city converts. The entire city converts. And then comes the next line of the story, which we don't get in our reading today. And this is why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. <clears throat> It's not because he was afraid or, you know, he was worried he had to carry around a sign that says the end of the world's coming. It was none of that. He says this. When he saw the people had repented, this displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord saying, is this not what I said while in my own country? That is why I made haste to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God. Merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. Therefore, O Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So why didn't Jonah want to go to Nineveh? He didn't want him to convert. He wanted the Ninevites, the Assyrians, to die. And he wanted God to destroy them. Do you ever have that sentiment in your heart? Maybe not that intense. But, you know, you just want somebody to just go away. You you hate them. Maybe a political candidate. (laughs) But you're so angry that you don't want them to convert. That's what's going through Jonah's heart. But God does want you to convert. God wants everybody to convert. He loves the world. That's why he sent Jonah to change the way they think. Because the Ninevites were in this like social structure of sin. And it was destroying them. You know, sin is not just rules and regulations, right? I hope you understand that. 
God hates sin for one reason and one reason alone. Because it hurts us. And it hurts those around us. And ultimately it hurts society. And because he loves us, he tells us not to do it. That's essentially, in the gospel, you heard John the Baptist is in prison. That's why John the Baptist went to prison. It's not like John the Baptist was calling Herod out because he was trying to ruin his kingdom and take like a political jockeying so he could take over the kingship. John the Baptist had nothing to gain and everything to lose. He knew that if he called Herod out on what he was doing, Herod would kill him. But in love, John the Baptist could not stand there and watch Herod destroy himself, his family, and the kingdom. And so he spoke. He stood up. He defied tyranny. And what did Herod do to him? He killed him. Now, maybe we do that. Maybe that voice that's always causing us, telling us to change, to get rid of certain things in our life, we just shut it down. We silence it because we don't want to change. But God has called you and me, just as he calls Jonah, just as he calls Peter and Andrew, James and John, he calls us all to a prophetic vocation. Every single person in this church is a prophet. And what does a prophet do? They speak on God's behalf. But in order to speak on God's behalf, you have to know what God wants. You have to have courage to stand up and speak it. And finally, you have to have the one thing that Jonah didn't have. And that's love. You have to speak in love. We don't speak to anger people. We speak because we love people. And we love society. And the very fact that the church has kept silent for so long is why the world is where it is. We used to be the moral authority in this country. Now we're becoming the laughing stock of this country. And as the world mocks and laughs and falls into disarray, most of the church's leadership is seemingly doing nothing. Nothing. In fact, some of them are actually making it worse and more confusing. The church has always been there for the good of humanity. But the church's voice is you and me. Once, I don't know who said it. Great quote. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do and say nothing. The longer the church stays silent, the worse things are going to get. And why? Because the church, Christ, Christianity itself, is one of the only institutions that stands up for the dignity of the human person. We have always stood for the dignity of the human person. That's why we're so against abortion. Because abortion is harmful to the child, to the mother, to the father, And to society, there are no winners in abortion. None. It is the destruction of the human person. And the church will not and cannot stand for that. 
It's part of the reason. I mean, it's, I think a lot of people, talk, you're taking away women's rights against women's dignity. No, we're standing for women's rights and the true dignity of women and the family. It's why we're against divorce and remarriage. It's why we're against pornography. It's why we're against the destruction of human embryos. Because the Catholic Church is focused on the flourishing of the human person. But we are losing that battle right now because we're silent. God expects and asks of us to know what he thinks, to have courage to speak, and to do it in love. Jonah, Jonah just wanted a bunch of people to be a tight-knit community, and everybody else, if they don't believe, let them die. And that's not the way God thinks. God wants everybody to be saved. It is love that moves a father or mother to have the courage to speak to their son or daughter when they're doing something that's wrong. It's love that should move anyone in authority to address an issue that simply needs to be addressed. It's love that motivated 12 men to take on an impossible mission to change the world. And it is love and only love that will give us the power that we once had as a nation and as a church. I want to leave you with a quote from a famous Lutheran pastor. His name is Martin Niemöller. He lived in Nazi Germany. He spent seven years in a concentration camp. And he survived. And when he got out, he is famously quoted for saying this. First they came for the socialists. And I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists. And I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I still didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak. May we never be silent in the face of evil, but always speak out in love, especially for those who have no voice.